Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, brought to you by rockspile.com, as well as our new sponsor, Manscaped. Glad to have them on board. This is Kevin Henry. I am one of the co-experts for Rocks Pile and joined today by Noah Yingling, my fellow co-expert and good friend. Noah, what's going on today, man? Not much. How are you? I am good watching the end of this uh, Giants-Rockies spring training game, the last one before a uh, uh, open date on Thursday, and I know that there's going to be, I don't know, to me at least, it feels like that open date comes, and then it's really the crunch time for the rest of spring training for some roster decisions, things along that line. Yeah, um, this year, I, as we've discussed, I don't think there's going to be a ton of stuff, but I mean, there there are some guys who are definitely trying to make the roster and make it difficult on the Rockies which hey if you've got that problem that's a nice problem rather than oh we have 10 guys that have played well and everybody else has been crap so let's make it a hard roster decision of okay uh which one is the worst of them let's get rid of it (laughs) well and, and making it a little bit tougher roster decision is that right now we don't know about Brendan Rodgers you know, the hamstring injury that he suffered in a spring training game. Uh, You know, words are encouraging that we're hearing, but there's not been a timetable that we've heard yet, at least as of this recording. So there's still that possibility of, is he going to be ready for opening day? Or are they going to find somebody else to take that roster spot? And also likely the second base spot as well. Yeah, and it'll be interesting how that um, develops. But with, with Bud Black, is he's updated us numerous times saying he's doing well, um, using one of his favorite words, encouraged. Um, yeah. And um, But when Thomas Harding asked him, hey, is he going to be ready for opening day? No. No. Uh, that, that was the exact quote. Saying no twice. Yeah. Um, so, all right, no, there wasn't sorry the not for opening day for or is there a timetable to return so is there a timetable right i was gonna say wait that's breaking news there no no there's not a timetable but we don't know about opening day yeah yeah Um, absolutely yeah thomas asked him about opening day and essentially bud was said we'll see yeah yeah and i I think we already knew 
one thing that we learned last year with Chris Owings was that hamstrings can stretch out for long periods of time. You know, the Rockies lost Chris uh, to a hamstring injury last year. He was actually starting pretty well at the plate. Uh, they lost him. And so hoping, of course, that this is not that kind of thing that just stretches on and on and on with Rogers, especially knowing that, you know, he's looked really good in the spring so far. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, he started off a little bit slow, particularly defensively. Yep. Um, and frankly, the, the Rockies in general, there were a few guys that started off slow, one of them being CJ Crone. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, today he played really well in the past few games. He's played really well. Um, and in fact, you just told us half an hour ago or so that, um, that he said he's completely ready for opening day. He, he likes where he is everywhere right now. Um, so he, I mean, there's still two weeks left until opening day. So if he thinks he's ready for opening day, which it looks like he is, that's, that's a good sign. You know, every time that, that we've talked to him or we've heard him on these Rocky Zooms, which, by the way, hats off to Corey Little and, and the Rockies PR team for putting all this together that they're doing. It's it's fantastic how they're keeping us informed. But CJ seems to have really had this whole, guys, stop asking me about my knee. It's okay. I'm going to be all right. And really emphasizing that his health is good. He feels good. You know, the timing's getting better. You know, I mean, all the things that you like to hear in spring training, he hasn't gone to the best shape of my life card yet. Thank God. But, <laughs> but he's definitely talking, the, saying the things he needs to say. And also, you know, let's be honest, it's showing in the box scores as well right now. And also too, I mean, if he used the, the best shape of my life card, he'd also be in using that card along with about a thousand other guys in big league camps right now. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's that, you know, you have to use that at least once every single spring training. Oh, it, there's it, a, it's a there's, rule. I mean, if you don't use it, it you're off the team. Simple. Well, as there's that. a bingo card. I mean, that you've got to fill out and, and that's your centerpiece as far as I'm concerned is the best shape of your life thing. So yeah, that, and then anytime anything bad happens, it's March, whatever right. day. Exactly. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay so so let's talk cj crone and let's talk first base here for just a minute because i think you and i are of the same opinion we didn't talk about this but i'm assume we are that cj is going to be your starting day or your opening day starting first baseman yeah and and greg bird and josh fuentes both make the opening day roster as well um i it wouldn't surprise me if bird does um i'm not quite sold on it yet considering how he has played and how Jonathan Daza has played um however but I'm not the GM of the Rockies I'm not the manager of the Rockies um just by spring training stuff I think Daza is the clear winner especially since he has no options but as we know that's not always the be-all end-all the Rockies are also big fans of their veterans so, I mean, yeah, yeah that's the and, case with Chris Owings, where Purple Row mentioned in a tweet, semi facetiously, I assume, uh, do you think it's going to be Connor Joe or uh, Chris Owings on the roster? Uh, it's going to be Chris Owings. I mean, Connor yeah. Joe might make it if Rogers isn't ready for opening day and they decide to carry a five man bench, maybe. Probably not, but maybe. 
But with a four-man bench, especially if Rodgers comes back, there is no way on this planet Connor Joe is going to be on the opening day roster. And that's unfortunate. It it is because I think he's going to – I think he will be up at Coors sometime this year. I just don't think it's going to be opening day. But I I absolutely see him making the jump from AAA to to MLB at some point this season. Yeah, and that's the thing with a lot of the guys where – as we talked on the last episode of the podcast, I think there are some guys who should be in the major leagues. I would have Ben Bone and Ryan Rollison on there. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not the GM and I'm not the manager. So, <laughs> well, and, and one of the things that, you know, I, I really want to get us some roster talk in this episode because there's a lot of ifs and there's a lot of different ways that we can go down these rabbit holes. Uh, you know, is it going to be, 12 position players, 14 pitchers. Is it going to be a 13-13 split? Is Rodgers going to be available? You know, there's a lot of things that are going to play into those final roster decisions. And, you know, in my mind, at least, again, I think it comes down to what we've already talked about. Is it Bird or is it Daza? And if they go with a 13 position player um, fit for opening day, it very well could be both. Yeah. Um, and also, too, we don't know yet about Antonio Sensatella. He's yep. another guy that Bud Black is, quote, encouraged, end quote, by. Um, again, one of his favorite words. Um, but um, if, he, if he is not ready for opening day, let's say they decide to put in Chi-Chi Gonzalez as the fifth starter and move Gomber up to four. Mm-hmm. Assuming Gomber was at fifth with Sensatella. Right. Um, you might need a nine-man bullpen because who's your long reliever going to be? Right now, Derek Rodriguez hasn't proven it, that he no. should be there. So who else is it going to be? And that was one of the things that Bud Black actually talked about this morning when we spoke with him. So here's what he had to say about the eight- or nine-man bullpen situation. I think, you know, if you have nine, uh, you can maybe not keep a, a, a long man because you have nine options out there. I mean, the, you know, the less guys you have in the pen, uh, the more innings those guys need to cover. Uh, the more guys you have in the pen, uh, you know, each guy might not have to cover as many innings as you would if you had, you know, a lesser number of pitchers. So, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, in that scenario, the, you know, if you have a lesser number, you need length uh, from a couple different guys. If you keep more guys, you have, you know, the capability to use those guys in shorter stints. It's, there's so many ways where, like with the roster cuts, usually Ryan Castellani, you would think Ryan Castellani would be in the mix, but yeah. he's another one. He has not proven himself. And when you're walking as many guys as he has, and I mean... Yeah frankly there's been other guys in the bullpen as well like Cairo Diaz today he walked I believe three guys um and it's not like he had a great year last year um Carlos Estevez I believe his last outing was pretty good but um his previous ones I mean we're not we're not necessarily Cy Young worthy Cy Young worthy uh, appearances so yeah Diaz three walks on a wild pitch so yeah, that's 
not yeah. something with, with with the Rockies bullpen. They really have to get more of the control down, and that's part of the reason why Castellani and right now I would say Rodriguez are on the outside looking in. Well, what you and you know, let's throw another little mix into this is the fact that the Rockies have an open day on the Monday after opening day. So they have the four game series with the Dodgers, then they have a day off. So you could see, you know, we, we know Sensatella pitched in a B game. We know there were supposedly no effects after that. We supposedly know again, encouraging news, uh, but you could well see the Rockies go with a four man rotation and then start that back over when the Diamondbacks come in on Tuesday uh, for a series. And so, again, knowing you've got the four games, knowing you've got the open date, do you start the season with a bigger bullpen, knowing it's the Dodgers, knowing you may have to come in and shut down some offense that we know the, the Dodgers can certainly provide? You know, and, and in my opinion, I think that that leans toward having a big bullpen in the second part after the off day, I think to have the position players for the Dodgers series with a shorter bullpen, knowing the off day is coming and you've got a rest and then you make a position move that day to get ready for what's coming after the off day. What about you, man? Yeah. And I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, considering before the pandemic and all of that with the pitchers where they've been more conservative in using them, um, this spring training and last year in general, um, the Rockies were not afraid to make a flurry of April moves, Absolutely. sending guys back down to Albuquerque, bring them back up, send them back down again, bring them back up again. Um, so yeah, it's this year. I really, I, I expect that to happen this year. Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see, uh, you know, and obviously again, there's so many things that are going to go into this uh what it's going to look like as far as the team and i think the team that you see take the field for opening day is going to look different than the one that takes the field for when the diamondbacks come to town um you know just my my two cents there but i think it's going to be really interesting because we as you said we will see some roster moves and one other thing to think about noah is the fact that you know again we're still in a pandemic we're still seeing the effects from COVID-19 on baseball. And that includes in the minors. And let's not forget that Albuquerque does not start its season until May 6th. So you're going to have guys who are going to be in AAA camp. They're going to be at the alternate site. You know, they're not going to be getting real game experience except if the Rockies and other major league teams get their minor leaguers together for some types of B games at the various spring training facilities. Yeah, and that's that's going to be another thing where it's this year is going to be more normal than last year. But still, how are those guys going to develop? And how are the lower minor league guys who haven't been yeah. in spring training and didn't have games last year? How are they going to develop? Guys like, for example, Riley Pint, considering that he didn't, he hasn't been in spring training, didn't pitch last year, injured in twenty nineteen didn't necessarily light the world on fire in a good way in 2018. I mean, how's he going to develop if he develops? Because right. as of right now, he's one of the guys in the lower minor leagues where the draft pick doesn't look necessarily that great to put it nicely. 
Well, and then you've got the guys on the other end of the spectrum, the Zach Beans that everybody's all excited about actually seeing in-game action. And we're still waiting to see Zach Beans in-game action. And we're going to have to wait a little longer. You know, I mean, we got all the reports from Arizona and everything else, but obviously that was closed off and we didn't, you know, see it with our own eyes. Yeah. So, you know, whether that's a, a Spokane or a Fresno or wherever he starts, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on that uh, level as well with some of the guys, uh, the Drew Romos of the world as well. You know, where are they going? What are they going to look like? And how quickly do they move up the ladder? Yeah. And that's going to be um, that's going to be one of the things where it'll be interesting to see, like with Romo, they they think that he has a higher floor than most of their other prospects. So does he perhaps start a little bit higher? That will be one of the many storylines entering this season. So before we head to break, though, we have, as Kevin mentioned earlier, a new sponsor that is Manscaped. So support for the Rocks Pile Rockies report is brought to you by Manscaped, the best company in the men's below-the-waist grooming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for you, the listener, 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. They have created the best below-the-belt hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Also, too, it comes with an LED light for a more precise shave, and it is also waterproof. It also comes with the crop preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant, and moisturizer for the area down there. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code FANSIDED20, F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D, and the number 20 at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And we are back here on the Rockies Rock or the Rocks Pile Rockies Report, brought to you by RocksPile.com and Manscaped. We appreciate them uh, supporting the podcast. And Noah, let's be honest. You know, we talked a little bit about Greg Bird before the break. You know, he's one of those guys that I think has drawn a lot of intrigue uh, regarding you know his comeback story, being a Colorado kid. Can he come back with the Rockies? Overcome these injuries. You know, it, it feels like a feel-good type of story. And you and I have both seen that there are a lot of folks in New York that are cheering for this guy to make a comeback as well. Yeah, and that's been one of the things that you actually talked about earlier this week, where, and you talked to him about it as well, um, of some of the things that he has learned in New York. And he's, he's learned a lot of things. And, I mean, there's there's going to be some Rockies that are going to be relying on veterans like him and CJ Crone, among others, like Charlie Blackman as well for their, their advice on what they've learned from other people, like with bird and the Yankees five, six, seven years ago, even being in the minors. And it's amazing to me to think about how that bird talked about how he comes in as this young kid, he's watching CC Sabathia get ready to pitch. And again, different players altogether, different positions, everything, but he still learns the game of baseball and how to approach it from a CC Sabathia. And now all of a sudden 
Greg Bird gets thrown these injury curveballs, everything else. And now, as you said, a lot of Rockies are looking to him and he's passing along what he learned in the Bronx, you know, down. And he said the other day, he said it's weird to kind of think of himself as that veteran, uh, you know, but but in a young Rockies clubhouse, he absolutely fits that mold. Yeah. And I mean, as I mentioned, prone, you have Blackman, you have Chris Owings. And really then after that, it's the starting rotation and that's right. The starting rotation and Trevor story. Um, They're the guys that are and have been stepping up, particularly with Kyle Freeland with um, Rollison and Gomber, since they're both um, lefties as well as Freeland. Yep. Um, So I, it's good to see that you're, that we've seen it in general where they, they're really stepping up leadership wise. Um, where entering the spring, we were kind of like, okay, who's going to take this role? Um, but as you saw in Arizona and we've seen in Zoom calls in general, I, I think that's not going to be a problem for the Rockies whatsoever, where last year there was kind of that problem with Nolan of, sorry to use his name for the people that don't want to hear his name ever again. Now that he's not with the Cardinals, now he's with the Cardinals. Um, but we were kind of wondering where, okay, is it going to be a sigh of relief? Is it more of a moving on and just going forward? Is it really affecting them or what? And it, it's more of the, Hey, you've got to move on. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I pulled out from my week in Arizona was we're moving ahead. You know, and and again, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, the chip on the shoulder, the, you know, us against the world mentality. It's fantastic to have it in spring training. How does it translate over whenever the Dodgers come to town for four games? And then you've got that off day, you know, and you look back and if you walk away with the split of the Dodgers at home, maybe you kind of get a little bit of confidence in you. Yeah. You know, I mean, there. And again, there's a lot of rabbit holes we can go down with that, just like we could the roster. But I'm looking at that four-game series to open the season at Coors, not only as a barometer for what fans are really going to do in terms of the Rockies. We let, Let's be honest. We know opening day there will be fans there. We know the buzz that opening day usually brings in downtown Denver. Sorry, boycotters. Not going to happen. Sorry. Yeah, I, I hate to say it. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what's that going to look like? And also, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. How much of those people are wearing blue instead of purple? Yeah. You know, and the thing is with the Dodgers, always when they come into town, as the old adage goes, death taxes and you name whatever else. But when the Dodgers come to town, it's death taxes, Max Muncy killing you, mm-hmm. Kenley Jansen having health problems and the Rockies not playing well. So there's there's five things. And I shouldn't be able to predict those three things in the last five years of Dodgers and Rocky stuff, especially with the Kenley Jansen thing, because he's had numerous issues health-wise when he comes to the higher elevation. Yes. Yep. But um, Max Muncy, and we were talking about it just before he came on the air here. Alex Dickerson is another one with the Giants now where he's a killer and he's killing them today too. Yeah, absolutely. He, he is. And, you know, one thing that I, I read uh, today, and it was after Herman made his start against the San Francisco Giants, was that Herman is lining up 
No, he hasn't been announced yet, but he's lining up to be that opening day starter. So you could have Kershaw Marquez ESPN opening day downtown Denver. Now, on the surface, that's some good buzz right there. I got to be honest with you. How's that fifth, sixth, seventh inning going to look? That's where I'm really curious because I remember how juiced everybody was for Sunday night baseball to come to town a couple of years ago when the Dodgers were coming in and everything else. And it wasn't pretty. At least that game wasn't. Yeah. And it's not like the Rockies are on Sunday night baseball every Sunday because after all, they aren't the Yankees and Red Sox because, you know, you have to get every single Yankees Red Sox series has to be on a weekend has to be must be televised on Fox or MLB network on Saturday and must be televised on Sunday national. Those are, those are the rules. Sorry. I mean, what can you do? I I don't, I don't make the rules. We just follow them. Um, (laughs) So um, the Rockies, the last time they were on Sunday night baseball was 2001. Right. I mean, Larry Walker was still on the team. There was a lot of excitement, you know, and, and, and I still think, you know, reading between the lines on tweets, reading between everything that we see on social media and everything else, I still think there's some interest in what this team's really going to do and what they're going to look like. And, you know, what's Rymack going to do at third base? Where's Fuentes going to play? How's he going to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of development questions. You had a great article about how this is one of the biggest years. And dare I say, I think you said the biggest year in franchise history and and you know i I want everybody want everybody go to rockspile.com and check out noah's article about why this is the biggest year but i mean give us a little taste here why is it in your opinion and like i said that's a hot take i I think i even said in the article too that and some people were like and not not really i don't think so Uh, yeah it is i mean believe it or not even though some fans think that Jeff Breidich could just go out and do anything. I mean, there's no way in the world that he's going to get fired. If the Rockies go 51 and 111, Dick Monfort can't say, oh, we have an exceptionally talented, talented team. No, you don't. First year, okay. 2019, okay. Injuries, whatever. 2020, okay. Pandemic injuries okay so you could still say it's a flu in theory i don't necessarily believe it but in theory you could say that three times is a pattern but regardless of whatever excuse you want to come up with so if they if they finish in last place or even if they finish in fourth and they're 71 and 91 again they that means they are not a good team and there's perhaps they even still decide okay we do want to keep right edge but there has to be some organizational change yeah in okay even if bright stays around okay we need to realize player x is not the person we thought they were going to be so we either need to trade them put them on the bench or release them or send them to albuquerque player y also has the same issue but player z is okay they have developed a lot they've taken five steps and they were an all-star this year for the first time so we can build around them or trevor story okay he we're going to have contract negotiations with him 
and he decides he doesn't want to come back because of the stuff that's happened the past few years. So what are we going to get trade-wise for him? What are we going to get trade-wise for John Gray? What are we going to get for Michael Gibbons? Can we still extend story? That's going to be a huge question, especially in the July, June-July time. Um, and that will depend on how the team does early. Sure. So how is the bullpen going to work out? Are they the bullpen that has the seven ERA? Or are they the bullpen that has more of a four and a quarter ERA where it's more manageable? Can John Gray stay healthy? Can Kyle Freeland be more consistent where it's not low ERA, high ERA, middle ERA? Is it going to be in that middle again or is it going to skyrocket again? So when, as we talked about in the last segment and a little bit in our last episode, minor league guys, how are they going to develop? Is Riley Pint going to develop? Are there other guys like Colton Welker where, okay, perhaps Brendan Rogers is injured, doesn't develop as well as we hope. So we can move McMahon, who perhaps is doing well. Can we move him to second and put Welker at third? Or is Welker a first baseman? Or we don't think he's good defensively either place. So we either really want the National League to adopt a DH for the new CBA and next offseason, or do we need to get rid of them and trade them to an American League team that can use them as a DH? So there's there's so many things where the Rockies, there's so this year there's more questions than ever. Yeah. And that's why it's the most important year. I mean, you did have some years like with 2001, the last time they were on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, where, okay, they signed Hampton and Nagel and ha- still had Walker and Helton and other guys like that. But you could see right away, uh, Daryl Kyle was another one before that, where, okay, we still haven't figured out how to pitch at Coors Field. And that's another thing, as I kind of alluded to with Freeland. In general, the Rockies have been around for 30 years. Can we learn how to pitch there consistently? It's not the excuse, oh, you're a course field. No, you have a humidor, you have pitching coaches, you have a manager who was a former pitching coach and a former MLB pitcher. You have guys in the front office like Mark Wiley, who was a pitching coach in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s with numerous different teams. How are we going to develop these guys? How can we be more of a consistent team? And Obviously not all those, not everything's going to come true or go the way they want this year. That's not baseball, but how many of those are going to go right for the Rockies? Is it two thirds? Is it a third? Is it none of them? So, and that's going to impact a lot of people's jobs could impact the coaching staff. Or as I mentioned in there, this would be a lot less popular move. Is Bud Black gone? If, Oh, we go, we went, uh, 51 and 111, like I mentioned. Yep. Okay, we're going to clean house. What happens? So despite them on paper not looking like a playoff team, so many things could change that will impact the Rockies for the next five, ten years in just this season. No, I, I agree. And, and again, you know, for, for years it feels like 
everybody has said, let the kids play. Let's see what the young kids can do. We're at that point. We are going to see what Tapia can do, McMahon can do, Rogers can do. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be too long until we see what Welker can do. You know, let's, you know, Fuentes burst on the scene last year. What can he do? You know, I mean, there, there's Hilliard, uh, you know, as a, a Hampson, you know, I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So you're going to get that infusion of youth and maybe see the future or maybe see guys that aren't going to be part of the future. But I think you said it real well in the article. This is that season where what is there, you know, lack of a better term, what is there to lose knowing how the Padres and Dodgers both loaded up in the offseason and how tough the West is going to be? Yeah. And another one, too, that I neglected to mention in talking here about possibly being traded is Charlie Blackman. Uh, this is his last guaranteed year of his contract. He's got a player option for next year and a player option after that. But do the Rockies decide if they're that 100-plus loss team and – oh, we're going to trade Story and Gray and Givens. Why not trade Blackman too? Yeah. So you can get rid of all four of them, get them off your payroll. And if you're really concerned about payroll, which there's been mixed signals on that, just put that nicely. Um, but let's put in, uh, oh, Hilliard, uh, we don't think he's def great defensively in center. Okay. Charlie, I mean, he's 35. So, and like I said, he's got two more player options. Okay, let's move Hilliard over to right and try Hampson in center. And there's, there's so many different ways, especially with their versatility, where if they decide to cut bait on their veterans, Crone being another one, where he could be a guy that shipped off in July. Yeah, depends okay, on how let's plays. see what we've got. Yeah, no, it's a great point. It is. And, you know, so... The early part of the schedule is so important, I, I think, to so many different questions being answered as we move forward. And, and that's one of the things that I'm really excited to see is that first month or two, we're going to know by Memorial Day. I mean, we're, you know, let's be honest, we're going to know. Uh, it's because there's so much battle within the NL West just in those first two months. We're going to know where the Rockies are going to stand. And, and I think we can walk away and say, all right, they've got a shot or all right, they don't have a shot. And, and I hate to say that baseball seasons are going to be made so early, knowing that it's a long season, knowing we're back to 162 games, but yet we also know again, what happened in the off season within the own division and knowing that it's a stacked deck right now. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things that, on the other side of the break, I'll ask you about uh, the schedule. And we'll, we'll go through the schedule the first two months of the year, and we'll see what you think uh, of their schedule. The National League, it's not an easy league, and it's not an easy schedule. But we'll look at it right after this break. And we are back here on the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. Noah Yingling and Kevin Henry with you. And we were talking on the other side of the break about the Rockies' schedule. And essentially the period up to Memorial Day being the most important. So let's see what you think of this schedule. Four against the Dodgers at Coors. Off day. Three against the Diamondbacks at Coors. Go on the road. Three against the Giants. 
another off day. Go to the um, Dodger Stadium for three, and then come back to Coors to face the Mets for three, off day. Two against Houston, another off day. Three against Philadelphia. Then you're going on the road, San Francisco and Arizona. That is to end April going into the first two days of May. Yep. Come home, face the Giants for three, off day. Then you go back on the road to face Nolan Arenado and the Cubs, or Cubs, Cardinals (laughs) for three. He didn't go to the Cubs. Um, He went to the Cardinals. So three there in St. Louis. Come back home to Coors. San Diego for three, Cincinnati for four. Go on the road, San Diego for three, off day. Arizona for three. You're coming home for that. Then going back on the road, Mets and Pirates. That is to round out the month of May. And and can I just say it's wrong to be off on Memorial Day? Yeah. I'm just telling you that that's somebody's got to fix that schedule because to be off. I remember when the Rockies were off on the Fourth of July a couple of years ago. It's like that's that's just wrong on so yeah. many levels. But okay, so you went through you went through that, and I will tell you the things that jump out of me. Okay, is the fact that you go from altitude to San Francisco, and the fact then that you've got to follow that up with the Dodgers. And obviously you get your first taste of the Padres, both at Coors and at Petco. So, you know, again, a lot of NL West in that first two months, a lot, you know, and you throw in some, you sprinkle in some diamondbacks in there as well. But I think that just the whole out of altitude heading down to, to play San Francisco to that first road trip, again, we, we know the problems that there can be, and we know the graveyard that St. Louis is for the Rockies. I mean, they, they just have bad luck in St. Louis and let alone knowing that that'll be a very emotional series. It's going to be big because I, I would almost lay you odds right now that Gomber will get a start during that series in St. Louis and they're going to get plenty of looks at that guy at the hot corner wearing 28 for in red. And also, too, you have to look April 23rd to Memorial Day. They have two off days. Hmm. And they're going from Coors to San Francisco, Arizona, back to Coors, St. Louis, back to Coors for seven games to San Diego back to Coors, uh, San Diego for three, back to Coors for Arizona for three, back on the road, Mets, Pirates. The Mets are a better team this year, but Mm -hmm. especially there at the end of May, where you've got three at Coors, seven or three in St. Louis, uh, just after you've been at Coors, you're, like you said, you're going between altitude and non-altitude. Arizona um, at the beginning of the month is more altitude than any other stadium. A thousand feet in elevation compared to fifty-two hundred and eighty. There's a big difference, a um, bit, yeah. but still, you, I mean, you've got you've got three games in some of them, and then you're off to the next one, and you're leaving town. So May, I think, is going to be actually harder than April just for that. But 
and they aren't facing the Dodgers in May, which if they were facing the Dodgers in May, that honestly, I, I would kind of think that'd be their dagger month. But you're still facing San Diego six times. You're facing St. Louis. You're facing the Mets four times in New York. Um, and that that Thursday before Memorial Day, that will be a great day for Rockies fans because they can watch baseball at 10 a.m. That going to be wonderful. Just <laughs> love, love the early day. You know, whenever they're on the East, there are some funky times. I'm just telling you, because I know then the next day the Pirates are at 430. You know, I mean, that's just, hey, it's what it is. So, And that's one of the things that I don't have to deal with being here on the East Coast. That there's never a game before noon unless you're talking minor league games, which that would be really funky where sometimes, like, for example, there's a team on the east side of Cleveland. Um, they're an Indians minor league team, and they sometimes have 10.30 a.m. local starts. So if you had a team in the mountain zone that you were facing, which they – one because they're in the Midwest League, but still, or formerly the Midwest League, you'd have an eight thirty start, which is kind of odd. But yeah. we also get the ten o'clock starts here when they're the Rockies are playing in L.A. or San Diego or San Francisco. So, yeah, it's you know, and again, you you could look at any month and say, oh, there's going to be challenges in there. But whenever the schedule first came out, I remember going and looking through those first two months until Memorial Day and just going. Okay, um, you know we're we're definitely going to know pretty quickly what this team is made of, and if they're really going to be that snake in the grass or not. Now, if I do have to say that their their easiest month, at least in the first three, would be June. They're facing Texas, Oakland, at, at both headquarters, um, Miami and Cincinnati on the road, San Diego, Milwaukee at Coors, Seattle, Milwaukee on the road, and then wrapping up the month against Pittsburgh. So if they do happen to have a hard time in the first two months, they could pick it back up in June, but let's say they start, uh, I don't know exactly how many games they are, but let's say they're 10 games below 500 in the first two months. Is that going to suck all the air out of the balloon? Yeah, I, I don't know. And one thing that you mentioned about June, there's only that three game series at home against the Padres and that's all the national league West there is that whole month. Yeah. You know, it's another thing as well. I think, again, they're going to get a big taste of the division early on. And, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when it was just like every time you turn around, they were playing the Padres to start the season, it felt like. I mean, you know, and they, yeah, the first two, weeks, it they, they had, first two weeks, they had half their meetings against them. Yeah, it was, I think that was the Luis Perdomo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the Perdomo one where no Perdomo, one was not yeah. happy. Yeah. yeah, he who should not be named uh, went after him pretty quick, pretty easily there. So, uh, well, no, hey, we, we've been over a lot of stuff uh, in this episode, no doubt about that. And I know there's a lot more that we're going to get to. Uh, but, you know, just want to leave with one question for you. Uh, if you were a betting man right now, I'm going to go back to how we started this podcast. If you're a betting man right now, is it going to be a 13 position player or 14 position player to start against the Dodgers oh if I had to guess or it's just 13 or 12 for position yeah. play. sorry um yeah. I would say probably 13 okay reason being is they can make the moves as we discussed where perhaps opening day they have 13 position players but two weeks later they have 12 um or 
even they they could definitely make some moves there, but they don't need the fifth starter right away. Um, if Senzatella isn't healthy, um, but the thing is, for me, more offensive guys have proven themselves than bullpen guys proving themselves. Jairo Diaz has not proven himself. Castellani, who's already been cut, hasn't. Rodriguez hasn't. Chichi J- Gonzalez just had his first good start of the spring. Um, there's been other other guys like Estevez, who has not had a good spring. Whereas offensively, so far, Bird, ha- I've, as we've discussed, he'll he might make the roster. I wouldn't have him on mine, but um, there's other guys like Daza and Welker, which I don't. I really don't think he'll be on the team, but he's still played well in the spring. Um, Connor Joe, could he get on? We know, as we've discussed, we know that Chris Owings is going to be on there. Unless he's on the injured list, he's going to be on the the roster, period. Um, So the guy, the, the 12, 13 guys are proving themselves more than the 13 or 14th guy in the bullpen so that's what i would do okay no i like it that's but, good yeah. that's good logic sound logic uh you know and i think uh, between now and our next podcast we'll have some of those questions answered particularly about brennan rogers and how he's looking for uh opening day and if we get some kind of timeline there uh, what do so, you think yeah. of it I'll put it back to you. What do you think? Yeah, I I am a guy that I, I agree with what you just said. I, I think they're going to need offense, and I think knowing that they're going to have that off day, they can ride pitchers a little bit harder, uh, the ones that they trust in certain situations, shall we say. Uh, so, you know, Bard, Oberg, Givens may get a lot more work in that first series against the Dodgers, uh, knowing that that off day is coming. So I'll, I'll go with you. And they have four off days – in the between the fifth and the twenty second, so yeah, that two games off days in the first three weeks, and they have two in the next month. So, yeah, that that off day, two games, Houston off day, and the you know toward the middle of the month stinks, but it is what it is. So I I hate how they with that how they make the schedule now speaking of schedule making since we're talking about it and yeah i have a bone to pick with this so i might as well do it okay why why is the nls facing the aos again i they released the 2021 schedule before they did the 2020 schedule or yeah. before it even started if i remember correctly oh why in the world are they facing them again if you want oh we want teams to face each other more often and Oh, we want to market the game. Uh, that's another thing that's going to take uh, in about four more podcasts um, in length to discuss marketing. But you're really going to have them face each other a second time. So let, I, I forget which I, might be the East. Yeah, I think it's the East where the Rockies aren't going to face them in four or five years. Yeah, it'll be um, a while. Just by the way that they decided to make the scheduling, which – Again, there's there's always some scheduling things where you're like, what in the hell were you guys thinking? But that's baseball. That's baseball. <laughs> that's what Black would say that's baseball. So, 
Uh, well, hey, we encourage you guys, make sure that you're checking out rockspile.com every day. Uh, Noah, myself, all our great contributors, we're, we're adding new content on there every day. Uh, certainly, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you know, let us know uh, what you think. Let us know if there's a, ta- a topic you want us to tackle. We're happy to do that as well. Uh, you can always follow us on Twitter at RockspileFS. And we are, again, uh, thankful uh, for our sponsors, including Manscaped. We appreciate their patronage. And Noah, it's been fun, man. Looking forward to the next one already. Yep. And just a reminder, too, for Manscaped, Fansided20 is the promo code at manscaped.com. There you go. And free shipping. Noah bringing you the goodness right there. So, hey, let's end it with that. Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling, rockspile.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, go Rockies. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.